Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, we're going to break down the exact categories that the Wolves are trying to improve on both ends of the floor by acquiring, oh, I guess reacquiring, Nick Alexander Walker, plus Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. What aspects of the Wolves, what aspects are they trying to improve very specifically? We're going to get deep into the numbers on both ends of the floor and how Brown, Milton, and Alexander Walker improved the Timberwolves this year, why they were targeted this summer by the front office. It's all coming to the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody, and a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. This show and all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts, download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, we spent Tuesday's show talking about uh, how the Wolves were effectively replacing Torian Prince with both Troy Brown Jr. and Nikhil Alexander Walker, how their roles, uh, Prince's former role in the roles for uh, newcomers Brown and relative newcomer Alexander Walker kind of backfill or approximate what Torian Prince did in the Wolves rotation. And then on Wednesday's show, we talked about the same thing, but it was Shake Milton replacing Jalen Noel and to an extent Jordan McLaughlin. Yes, I know he's still on the roster, but my theory, working theory, is that McLaughlin goes from primary backup point guard to like the 11th or 12th man, depending on the night, depending on how things shake out. But I don't think he's, I think the Wolves are planning for him to play primary backup point guard minutes heading into the season. Obviously that could change, but sitting here right now, I think that's the most likely scenario. So if you take the all six of those players, uh, two of whom are brand new to the Wolves, two of whom will not be on the Wolves this year, uh, and then Alexander Walker, who was acquired at the deadline, and McLaughlin, who's on the roster but out of the rotation, it's essentially three out, three in. And so what I did is I looked at all of their stat profiles pretty in-depth and tried to find some trends in like what what are the Wolves jettisoning? Like what's leaving and what is coming into backfill? What categories are the Wolves focusing at, uh, focusing on the most with these acquisitions? And there were a couple of really interesting stats that, that really, really stuck out to me. Um, and so there, and in fact, there's two things that we're going to primarily focus on today. I'll, I'll mention a few others, but there's two items where the three quote unquote newcomers, again, Olympian and Alexander Walker, ranked better than all three guys who will no longer be in the Wolves rotation. And then there's some kind of ancillary categories that feed into those where it's like two out of three, essentially. So we'll break all that down today. At the end of the show, we'll get to um, to the ESPN power rankings that I thought I was going to get to on Wednesday's show and didn't. So we'll get to that later. But let's start with the number one trait that the Timberwolves clearly sought out in acquiring Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and re-signing Nikhil Alexander-Walker compared to Prince, Noel, and McLaughlin. And I'll try to explain why I think this is, too, although um, I'm not 100% clear on that. I, and, and I think that, that we just need a little bit more. We need to see how this offense plays out, and I'll get to that. I'll explain what I mean by that. 
above the break three-point shooting. On its face, it's like, well, yeah, Torian Prince is the best shooter of the lot, and he's no longer on the team. So how could they possibly be improving their shooting? And I said at the time when Torian Prince signed with the Lakers and the Timberwolves signed Milton and Brown on the and Alexander Walker on the first day of free agency, I said, you know, the Wolves are trying to approximate Prince's shooting. They're trying to backfill it with multiple players. None of those guys in a vacuum are as good of a shooter as Torian Prince. And they're just trying to, you know, improve defensively, improve some positional flexibility, and um, maybe add it, you know, some guys who can initiate offense a little more seamlessly, like a Shake Milton. And, and but you know they'll they'll try and if, if Troy Brown shoots the ball as well as he did last year in L.A., then like maybe they'll be okay in the shooting category. Well, I dug a bit deeper into this, and I was a bit off base with my initial reaction to the signing. You could argue Torian Prince is the best shooter in a vacuum. But we could argue right back that that it's maybe not that clear. Um, Torrey Prince was a phenomenal three point shooter, three point corner shooter last year. He was forty three point four percent from the corners, uh, which was a B plus, a seventy fifth percentile according to our friends at B Ball Index. Um, and overall, he was what thirty eight point nine percent, I believe. Overall, he was thirty eight point one percent. He shot the ball other than the first two months of the year prior. He shot the ball really well as a Timberwolf. In a Minnesota uniform, he was 37.8% overall from three. But he was 43% for the corner. So I was worried about that when they made these acquisitions, when they allowed Prince to leave. But digging a step further, shooting from above the break, so three-point shots that are not from the corners, all three new Timberwolves, including Alexander Walker, are better that all three ex-Timberwolves, including Jared McLaughlin, he's not actually, you know what I mean, ex-rotation players, we'll say that. All three of these guys are above league average, above the break, three-point three point shooters last season. Now, with Troy Brown Jr., you go back a year prior and the numbers are not as pretty, but I'm using last year's data, and I think Milton and Alexander Walker have a little bit more of a track record in terms of, of shooting. Not, not that Alexander Walker is a good shooter uh, or has that reputation, but that that's why this is so surprising. Shake Milton, who we know is a good shooter, but had a little bit of a down year last year, even though he was down last year percentage-wise overall, he was 41.9%, call it 42% above the break as a three-point shooter. That's in the 92nd percentile league-wide and an, and an A, just a straight A, according to B-Ball Index. 42% above the break. Comparing him directly to uh, who we compared him to yesterday, who's replacing, Jalen Noel. Jalen Noel was 30.9, from above the break. That's a 45th percentile C minus. So right there, that's 11 percentage points better from Jalen Noel to Shake Milton with above the break shooting um, from outside the arc. Take uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker versus Torian Prince. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I was dubious of because of his reputation as a so-so shooter, and back when we were, before free agency started, I was like, yeah, I don't know that you really can count on him improving that three-point shot. I don't know that you want to spend too much. I was worried that they would spend $7, 8000000 million on Nikhil Alexander-Walker. As it turned out, there is like 4 to $5 million per um, and a much a very reasonable deal. And given that Prince is gone, I think, I think bringing back Alexander-Walker makes a ton of sense. But I'm even more encouraged now after digging a layer deeper because above the break, Nikhil Alexander-Walker was 38.9%, call it 39%. Above the break. That's 84th percentile league-wide. If you had told me a week ago that Alexander Walker was in the 84th percentile with above the break three-point shooting, I would I would call I would say you were crazy. Uh, like I thought there was no way. 
84th percentile. It's an A- minus at B-Ball Index. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Torian Prince was only 34.5% above the break, which is okay. 62nd percentile, it's a B-. minus, But it's worse than Nikhil Alexander-Walker by 4.5 percentage points. It's worse than Shake Milton by 8.5 percentage points, or 7.5 percentage points. And guess what? Even Troy Brown Jr., who had a... Uh, to this point, a career shooting year last year, but still fine, you know, just fine from outside the arc. He was 36.7% above the break, 74th percentile. That's a B. It's solidly, slightly above league average in terms of above the break three-point shooting. So the Wolves got rid of three below league average, above the break three-point shooters and brought in three above league average and two very, very good ones. And Shake Milton and Alexander Walker above the break three-point shooters. That's important. Um, and I looked at, you know, why that might be important. The Wolves the Wolves were actually pretty middle of the pack in terms of their above-the-break three-point rate. Um, they were, of course, middle of the pack for both corner threes and above-the-break threes. According to Cleaning the Glass, the Wolves were 15th in non-corner three-point rate, so above-the-break threes, and, four, and uh, 17th in, th- in corner three-point rate. So the Wolves shoot slightly slightly less from the corners than league average and, and right on league average in terms of um, I, that's not actually not the same thing as league average, but middle of the pack 15th and above the break three. So it's not like they're number one in above the break threes, but they shoot a fair amount. And also like, well, let's get into next a little bit going a step further, like Rudy Gobert's teams and what impact Rudy Gobert might have on this, because I, I have a theory there. Um, but it also is interesting considering corner three-pointers, too, because you're letting a really good corner three-point shooter go in Torian Prince. And then we'll get to a defensive category that I think the Wolves are clearly focusing on in their backcourt uh, by making the moves they did. We'll close with ESPN Power Rankings. Uh, we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you might think will hit the first home run in a given game. It's all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. We're in the heat of baseball season. Actually, the trade deadline is is early next week. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, I don't know if they have props over there for, for trade deadline. But check out that. Check out the start of football season is upcoming. Of course, WNBA, lots of other sports ongoing. So go check it out at FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on MLB or anything else than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Every dayers, we are still daily. Uh, next week, we'll move to three shows, uh, pretty much Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but we'll hit any major news. If there is any like significant breaking news, of course, we'll add in some extra shows. So be sure to stay tuned. We're going to keep breaking down the roster throughout the offseason. And FIBA World Cup starts here in just a few weeks. We'll talk about that on the show quite a bit as well. All right. Um, so putting a bow on the above-the-break three-point shooting conversation, there's a couple of other three-point... Well, let, let me do this. Let me explain why I think this is important. It's pretty interesting when you look at what the Utah Jazz had done. They were very well known for the quarter three-point shooting, right? Um, that's just kind of because of the Rudy Gobert middle pick and roll. They had so many filled quarter pick and rolls from Joe. I mean, they, like how many guys did they have that were experts at that? 
uh, Joe Ingles is the one that comes to mind. But um, you know, you go on down the list of guys that played on those on those. Uh, Bogdanovich is another one, and I've I talked last year a couple of times early in the season before the Towns injury about how the Wolves' offense should essentially replicate Utah's offense, which obviously there were some issues there, but they were the most efficient offense in the Western Conference essentially over the course of three four years. And Bogdanovich just stood in the corner and knocked down corner threes at a crazy rate. So did Joe Ingles. Uh, you could throw Jordan Clarkson in there, too. He was a good three-point uh, Mike Conley. Um, so I, that, to me, is the thing the Wolves should be looking at, is like, hey, how do we find the best possible corner three-point shooters to to be able to spread the floor for Rudy Gobert middle pick-and-rolls? Well, pick-and-rolls do generate corner three-point shots, and it is an easier pass for, say, the, uh, either Gobert is the roller to catch and, and swing to the corner, um, in theory, it's a better pa- it's a good passing angle for the ball handler, and it's also the easiest three point shot, right? So that's why, like, in a super rough and, and crude way, that's why corner three pointers are so important, valuable, easy ish to get. Not actually easy, but it's it's a it's a positive result of running a lot of middle pick and rolls, right? So, like, obviously, the Wolves want guys that can knock down threes from the corners, but. <clears throat> There's also middle pick and rolls just straight up help you. Like if you have floor spacers, they're going to generate three point looks no matter where they are. And we saw this, like it seems to me, and, and I'm a proxy. I don't have data to back this up yet, but it's something that we're definitely going to pay attention to this year is Anthony Edwards. When he's operating in pick and roll, seems very comfortable to stop on a diamond and, and kick the ball backwards. Essentially, um, what does the wake of the pick and roll look like? In the wake of a pick and roll, you can have somebody rotate up and backfill behind. And as long as your timing is right and your spacing doesn't get all jumbled, that could be a wide open shot. Um, now, the corner three is still going to be preferable. But if you're acquiring a bunch of guys who essentially have an expertise in shooting above the break threes, and Ant is very comfortable kind of stopping on a dime and kicking the ball backwards, uh, like that's something that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and... and Perhaps that's what the Wolves are. And also, by the way, the guys that they're acquiring are not bad corner three-point shooters. Shake Milton didn't have a good number there, but he also shot three-quarters of his three-point attempts, Shake Milton's, were above the break. He only shot 28% of his attempts were from the corners, and he was only 30, 30% from the corners. Um, so he didn't have a good year shooting from the corners. But of the th- of the three guys that the Wolves acquired, two of them are still better than two of the guys that they let go on corner three-pointers. Like, Torrey Prince is the best of the group. He was great from corners from the corners last year, 43%. Troy Brown was 40% from the corner. That's 62nd percentile. It's a B minus. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker was 38%. Both of them were better than Jalen Noel and Jordan McLaughlin on corner three-point shots. Jalen Noel was only 20% shooting from the corners. He also didn't shoot very much from the corner because he was on the ball a lot of the time. And that's also why Shake Milton didn't either, right? So it's less important for Milton. But both Brown and Alexander-Walker um, shot well over half. And in Alexander-Walker's case, 70% of his three-point shots we're from above the break, but they can also knock them down from the corner at around a 40% clip. So it's not like they're acquiring guys that can't shoot from the corner. Um, but my theory is the pick and roll simply generates more open threes, which is part of the reason, you know, kind of goes, it's hand in glove, right? Like that's part of the reason why um, three pointers have gone up is because pick and rolls have gone up. And part of the reason pick and rolls have gone up over the years is because it generates open looks from outside the arc. It helps with your spacing. It gives you a high percentage, obviously opportunity for the roller heading to the basket. And the wolves have such dynamic ball handlers now and dynamic rollers and poppers in towns and, and, um, and go bear. Um, there's going to be open three pointers. And so 
more guys that can shoot from above the break. Also in transition, like pull-up threes is another one. Both Brown and Nikhil Alexander-Walker are better at pull, had a better pull-up three-point shooting percentage than any of the guys the Wolves kicked out of the rotation. Torian Prince is only 24% on pull-up threes. Jalen Newell and McLaughlin were 30%. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is 41% on pull-up three-point opportunities. 40.8%, 85th percentile on pull-up threes. Uh, of course, all of those really are above the break too, right? But they're not, all pull-up threes are above the break. Not all threes above the break are pull-ups, right? 41%. Um, Troy Brown Jr. also better than Prince, Noel, McLaughlin from outside the arc. Milton effectively the same as, as or excuse me, uh, pull-up outside the arc. Milton effectively the same as Noel McLaughlin. So, the Wolves have acquired three players who are better at above-the-break shooting than the three that aren't in the rotation anymore. Two of the three are better catch-and-shoot, Milton and Brown. Um, obviously, Prince is very good, but Milton and Brown are in the same neighborhood as Torian Prince at catch-and-shoot three-point shooting. Two pull-up shooters, better pull-up three-point shooters, better than Prince, Noel, and McLaughlin. And two of the three, of, you've looked at these six players, two of the three quarter three-point shooters are also the newcomers, too. So in general, the Timberwolves did improve their shooting by letting Prince and Noel go and replacing McLaughlin with Shake Milton, bringing in Brown and Alexander Walker. The overall shooting is much improved by these moves, and specifically above the break three-point shooting. I'm going to be really curious to see if, like, you know, over at Cleaning the Glass, where I said the Wolves were, what, uh, 15th in terms of non-corner three-point rate? I bet that number goes up this year. I bet the percentage of, of overall threes taken, especially above the break, goes up by the by the Wolves, and I bet that they're more accurate from outside the arc as well. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that this year. But if nothing else, I think it's 100% fair to say that Timberwolves have improved their perimeter shooting by adding Milton Brown Jr. Alexander Walker to their rotation. All right, switching to the defensive side of the floor. The Timberwolves acquired three players who are all better at ball screen navigation than the three players that are no longer in the rotation. And it's really not close. Talked a little bit about this on, on both Tuesday and Wednesday as well. But Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Troy Brown Jr., and Shake Milton all are far better at ball, green nav- ball screen navigation than Torian Prince and Jalen Newell. Jordan McLaughlin, we'll talk about him in a second. He's obviously still on the team, and that's one of the things that he's actually been pretty good at, right? But there's another category where he's not as good as the three newcomers defensively. So um, I want to dig in a bit to, to why that's so important and and also why I think this is, this is kind of case in point for what I didn't like about Torian Prince's season last year. Um, and what I was kind of trying to articulate when I went on lockdown Lakers a week ago. Um, but there's some, there's some areas that Prince clearly took a step backwards. And I think, I think the wolves are in a better spot now than they were with Torian Prince in the role he was in last year. So we'll get to that here next. All right. The Timberwolves acquired slash reacquired in the case of Alexander Walker, three players who are very good at navigating ball screens. This is again, according to B ball index, and uh, let me pull up the exact definition of ball screen navigation, although it should be fairly self-explanatory. Um, ball screen navigation, uh, actually, they don't have the definition here, but it is exactly what it sounds like, right? It's the ability to get around um, to get around a screen in the half court. And Jaden McDaniels, we're not talking about him today, but he was the best in the entire league at it, no matter where you... I mean, I think Second Spectrum, Spectrum had a stat that was cited on the Wolves broadcast a couple of times. Um, there's a stat at B-Ball Index that, that I'm using today. Jaden McDaniels is the best in the league at it. And the Wolves re-signed Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 
He's right there. 97th percentile in ball screen navigation. That's an A+. The same neighborhood, nearly, as Jaden McDaniels. Those have two of the very best in the entire league at fighting through ball screens. And what did I talk about frequently? Two years ago and leading into last year, if you're familiar with the, sh- if you've listened to the show for a long time, was how bad the Wolves were at that. Especially leading into, not this last season, but the one before, before they acquired Patrick Beverly, the Timberwolves could not get through ball screens. D'Angelo Russell, in his brief time as a Wolf before then and throughout last year, was a was a a, a key issue when it came, or a, a, I don't know, so what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a key offender when it came to that area. Um, but for a long time, the Wolves had guys that simply could not get through screens. And that was one of their biggest issues. And last year, D'Angelo Russell continued that issue. Um, there were other guys on the perimeter. We'll get to Torian Prince, who just simply could not get through screens. Patrick Beverly was good at it, and that was an important acquisition last year. Alexander Walker is one of the very best in the league at fighting through screens, getting, you know, knowing what the coverage is. Am I going over the screen? Am I going under the screen? Am I getting around the screen? Are we switching? Whatever that might be. Chris Finch does not want to switch like a lot of coaches. He wants to, he wants his guys to fight through screens. Jade McDaniel is the best in the league. Nikhil Alexander Walker really right there with him. Troy Brown Jr., 86th percentile in ball screen navigation. That's an A- minus at B-ball index. And even Shake Milton, who is not a good on-ball defender, was solid at getting through screens. 80th percentile, a B-plus at ball screen navigation. The guys who are no longer in the Timberwolves rotation, Torian Prince was 45th percentile when it came to ball screen navigation. That is a C-, minus, 45th percentile. Torian Prince has this reputation as a solid veteran defender, you know, versatile, switchable, tough, hard-nosed defender. He was 45th percentile last year in ball screen navigation. On this list of six guys, he's by far the worst in ball screen navigation. And if you watched him closely last year, like, my eyes didn't lie when I was watching Torian Prince play defense. He was not as good as he had been previously in his career. I don't know... You know, I, I theorized on Lockdown Lakers last week, and I think maybe on this show as well, that it could have partly been how he was used. Like he was being asked to do far more than 28, 29-year-old Torian Prince should be asked to do in terms of chasing, um, you know, primary ball handlers and dynamic wings. You know, McDaniel's in foul trouble or is hurt and Alexander Walker's not on the team yet if it's mid You know, Prince was asked to do a few more things than maybe he should have been. But that doesn't change the 45th percentile in ball screen navigation, the C minus that the Wolves are replacing with three above average, above league average ball screen navigators. Jalen Well was actually decent in that category, 74th percentile, and Jordan McLaughlin's 82nd percentile. So right in there with Shake Milton, actually a little better than Shake Milton at ball screen navigation. But I've always felt that way about McLaughlin. And and not all defensive metrics are created equal for for every player. And what I mean by that is. McLaughlin's a pretty diminutive player and size, length, athleticism, those things enhance those numbers. They make your ball screen navigation that much more impressive if you're able to do some of those other things. McLaughlin's just a smaller guy. And that's partly why he's able to navigate ball screen so well. Um, it His size hurts him in other areas, right? So like you'd rather have Troy Brown out there at an 86th percentile than Jordan McLaughlin at 82nd percentile. Um because Troy Brown's got more of that size and athleticism, et cetera. So all that to say, now, of course, McLaughlin's still on the team, and he'll see some run at some point this season. So clearly, ball screen navigation is important to the Timberwolves. Somewhat related, on-ball perimeter defense, the Timberwolves acquired two-plus on-ball perimeter defenders. I say acquired, including Alexander Walker, 94th percentile on on-ball perimeter defense. That's an A. 
Troy Brown Jr., 90th percentile, also an A in on-ball perimeter defense. Shake Milton struggles there, and we've talked about that already. But Torian Prince was actually only 57th percentile in on-ball perimeter defense this year. That's a C+. 57th percentile for Torian Prince. So he was 45th percentile in ball screen navigation, 57th percentile in on-ball perimeter defense. That's a C- minus and a C+. Troy Brown Jr., A- minus ball screen, A on-ball perimeter defense. A plus ball screen for Nikhil Alexander-Walker and an A for on-ball perimeter defense. The Timberwolves also let go Jalen Noel. He was a D, 32nd percentile. Well, you're backfilling him with Shake Milton, who's 28th percentile, also a D. So the on-ball perimeter defense, out is Prince and in are two A defenders. Noel and Milton are a wash. McLaughlin's a B plus. Um, so, and he's still on the team. So you're shoring up your perimeter defense, but especially your ball screen navigation. There's also the off-ball chaser statistic, which I think is really fascinating. And the three players the Wolves acquired are as good or better than all the players that they that are no longer on the team. Um, and this is essentially how well do they stay glued to their man when they're off the ball? And and Brown and, and Alexander Walker often will be guarding point of attack, but not all the time. Like Not if they're sharing the floor with Ant or sharing the floor with McDaniels. They may not be guarding the primary ball handler. They may not necessarily be guarding at the point of attack all the time. So it's still important. And Troy Brown Jr. was an A as an off-ball chaser, 92nd percentile according to B-Ball Index. Torian Prince was a B-minus, 61st percentile. All three new Timberwolves, Alexander Walker, Brown, Milton, were A's or A-minuses as off-ball chasers. Prince was a B-minus. McLaughlin's a C-plus. Noel was somehow an A-minus, which surprised me. But um, clearly, the Timberwolves have put an emphasis on ball screen navigation and on-ball perimeter defense, Torian Prince was not up to stuff last year. He was not worth the $9 million salary he would have gotten this year simply for being a really good corner three-point shooter. And obviously, you know, I don't I don't mean to denigrate Torian because I talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks. Obviously, a, a good locker room presence. The guys liked him. He brought a toughness that was important. And and all that stuff is is real, right? And the Wolves lacked a lot of it otherwise. But it's strictly speaking on court, Torian Prince is either was either being misused, had a bad year, or is maybe on the decline already. Troy Brown Jr. is like 24. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is like 24. I mean, they're bringing in younger, more athletic, more versatile guys with a little bit of upside that are going to be better at fighting through screens. They're going to be better at shooting above the break, at pull-up threes and transition. All the stuff Chris Finch wants to do. He doesn't want to switch on defense. He wants to play fast, which means you're going to get a lot of pull-up threes and transition. You're going to get a lot of, uh, of, um, of above-the-break threes and transition. You're going to need to use that athleticism. Um, and also, we'll see what happens in the Wolves' half-court offense. But those above-the-break threes are likely going to be generated by the offense the Wolves are running. And all of these guys, Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., Troy Brown Jr., Nikhil Alexander-Walker, they of the six guys we're talking about, all three of them, the best above-the-break shooters, the best ball screen navigators. That's, that's what the Wolves did, is they went out and improved in those two categories. And we'll be able to see pretty clearly early on why that is. Um, but... Tim Connolly in the front office and Chris Finch and everybody had a plan and they executed it. And I believe I've said this in, in different ways over the past couple of weeks, but the depth chart right now is better than what it was before the offseason. I don't think there's any question about that. The Timberwolves top 10 players and you could go, you, you could even go top 12. If you want to talk about Josh Minot improving and, and bumping Jordan McLaughlin down on the depth chart that improves that, you know, that, that lifts the whole value of the roster or, or I should say maybe production or, or upside of the roster. 
um, by acquiring some more kind of top flight talent, you know, retaining Nas Reed, um, this roster's in a better spot than it was just a couple of months ago. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow on Friday as well. A big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K. Yet. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.